You are listening to Home Health SLP, the podcast for speech-language pathologists working in home health. This podcast serves as a platform for our community of collaborators in the field of speech-language pathology. We share tips, wisdom, and experiences about our careers in home health care. You are no longer on an island. Join us every other week as we navigate the setting of home health care as speech-language pathologists together. Thank you guys for tuning in to Home Health SLP this week. I am so excited to share with you guys the second part of our My Life as a Black SLP series. Today we have a special guest. Her name is Quintina Briscoe and she owns a private practice in the DMV area. Quintina and I met on Instagram, which was the best type of situation. I had been stalking her Facebook and her Instagram and I decided to reach out one day and now we talk regularly. We're in an accountability group together for business. So I am really excited to share Quintina with you guys. She's full of energy. She's a visionary. So without further ado, let's hear from Quintina. So much, Ebony, for having me on. Um, I definitely, definitely mirror everything that you just said. Um, so thank you so much for having me on here. Finally, um, our <laughs> schedules have matched up. <laughs> yes. So um, I also want to say hello to your wonderful, wonderful audience. Hey, guys. Um, I am definitely an African-American speech language pathologist. Um, I am also a private practice practitioner and CEO. Um, This is also something that me and Ebony definitely have in common is that we own our own practices. As she said, I am in the DMV area. DMV just stands for DC, Maryland, and Virginia. Um, But the practice is um, credentialed in several different states because we primarily do teletherapy. Um, That is our focus at the moment. So a little bit about what I'm building for the practice of speech pathology is my main focus is to get more SLPs or should I say SLP candidates to apply for um, the programs and things of that nature, just because we need to see more diversity in the field. Um, That is something that I'm basically focused on and I'm focused on these things and carrying these things out by um, going to different high schools and speaking there. This is something that I've definitely inquired about just to let the seniors and the juniors know that, hey, this is a field. You guys can get into it. Um, I think so many people really look into like nursing and um accounting and doctors, but they just don't know about this little thing called speech language pathology that makes such a huge impact. I'm also a developer of a app that is in the Apple App Store and the Google Android Store. It's called the Pediatric Speech Lab app, where we have several courses um, a month for parents who are just struggling with maintaining or I guess work more so working with their children who have disabilities. Um, and that's something that I'm catering towards as well is the parents um, and those parents becoming the actual um, at home therapist, if you will, so that the child can have a better prognosis with um, whatever it is that they're going through or whatever it is that they've been diagnosed with. Um, also, I am a teletherapeutic um, trainer slash coach. So I have been um, 
uh, I guess I would say marketing myself to the local school systems so that they will have an understanding of teletherapy and just how to allow for their professionals to transition into teletherapy during these times. You guys know that Corona has been so crazy and all the teachers, therapists and other um, psychologists, social workers have been just thrown into teletherapy. So I'm going into the schools and offering a more structured approach to how to handle um, these things, because as you guys know, we are not going back to what we have been doing at all. (laughs) Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And one thing about Quintina that I, I noticed about her, like I said, we met on Instagram was how much of a go-getter she is Mm -hmm. I mean (laughs) you guys probably were like wow look how many different things that this (laughs) African-American no black I mean black woman business owner is is undertaking she is she's a go-getter and um I think that you know that um that speaks a lot about just how passionate she is about helping others Mm -hmm. and um trying to reach as many clients as she can so, you know, I definitely had to meet her. I, I wanted to, um, you know, um, surround myself with like-minded oh, um, oh. speech pathologists um, when I first started out in this field. And um, I definitely, you know, just applaud you, um, Quintina, for everything that you're doing. Oh, you know, you. your practice has gone <laughs> a, a different direction after COVID and you're doing it with um, no hesitation. So, um, you know, that's awesome. And that that just says a lot about, you know, how many people you will impact. Um, You're welcome. So um, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the things that you've experienced as an African-American SLP. And I know that this show is um, mainly focused on home health, right? It's home health. SLP is the name of the show. We do a lot of, we talk a lot about different um, topics that come up in the home health setting. However, you know, given this time um, of COVID-19 home health looks a lot different for everybody. So, you know, Quintina does teletherapy, which is kind of what we are all doing right now at this particular time. Um, So, you know, she'll be sharing a lot about, um, her experience in different settings. It might not necessarily be home health. She's had a little bit of experience, but I just wanted to preface this by saying, you know, that um, right now during this particular time, we're not operating as separate settings. You know, I'm, I'm just an SLP in this setting because we've all had to kind of dip our toes in different areas to try to help our, our clients receive their services. So, um, so Quintina, tell me a little bit about, um, let's start with, actually graduate school. So can you describe your graduate school experience um, as an SLP who is African-American? Oh, yes. My graduate school experience was like no other. Um, And Ebony, I would actually have to go back to my undergrad just to differentiate a little bit from the experiences that I've had. So when I was an undergrad, um, and a lot of people that I tell this are like, really? I mean, my undergrad experience was by far uh, worse than my graduate school experience. Um, There was a lot of academic hazing. Um, There were more of, there was more of a diverse group of people that I um, encountered, but my undergraduate experience was just way more difficult than my graduate experience. Um, In saying that, 
the reason why I went to another school, which is an HBCU for my graduate school experience is because I just did not want to experience what I was experiencing in graduate school. Now in graduate, I mean, in undergrad, I didn't want to experience what I experienced in undergrad. Okay. So when I started in undergrad and a lot of people would think, okay, did she have um, Caucasian teachers that she have and that's the thing about it I didn't have any like too many Caucasian teachers um, but what I did experience are African American people who have had that mindset and I'm trying to put it in the right words so that I don't mess this up had the right mindset to where they did they were not really helpful of the growth of the students um, so when I went to an HBCU, it was more of a foundation. And I always tell this story when I had a clinical supervisor who was a really, she started to be, well, you guys don't know me, but I'm a very, um, I'm a people person. So I love people in general and I'm a loner as well. So I don't really know how that works, but <laughs> It's working for me. (laughs) An introverted, or what is it? Introverted introverted extrovert. extrovert. Exactly. I'm like, people cling to me in nine times out of 10. I mean, I want to be by myself, but it's fine. So I started to be um, really close to one of my clinical directors. And we went to, we went abroad to Dominican Republic. I did study abroad in Thailand and then I studied abroad in Dominican Republic so when I studied abroad in Dominican Republic like she was I was one of the older students in my program so I was about 24 I want to say but everybody that was there with me was between maybe I might have been 25 or 26 and they were like maybe 22 so they were a little bit younger than me um so when we went to Dominican Republic we you know we really clicked I would go to her room and she's like Christina can you flat on my hair fix it we would talk about her life and she was older than me maybe like 10 to 15 years older than me um but we really clicked in that instance I realized that I did not have those relationships that I had at my in my master's Um, degree program that I had in my undergraduate degree degree program Um, and that's just something that came with the foundation of me going to an HBCU Um, another thing is when I everybody in my class we were the majority we were not the minority in my school so you have schools that are right around the corner from me like Georgetown um, who also has the speech and language program where the majority were white you know caucasians it's kind of like i don't know like it's so weird that we purposely segregate ourselves for whatever reason and it and that's something that has been on my heart too like we purposely segregate ourselves and ultimately if your audience doesn't know when you go to heaven there's no color like there's no african-american there's no white there's no caucasian this is an earthly thing that we're here in the world and we're just dealing with here so now you have segregation so in my graduate school experience we were the majority there were no caucasian people that graduated with me and there were maybe one or two like islanders um, and then there was mm-hmm. a um, Hispanic young lady who was actually my good friend. Um, so we were the major- majority there. And 
it was just so helpful to have I can't really say what the experience would have been if I was the minority in a class, but I know that the foundation of them helping us and wanting us to get out was something that really, really helped me get through it. So in undergrad, I mean, Ebony, I used to cry. Like I used to cry. I used to cry on the way home. I used to cry. I used to cry because I felt so defeated because I didn't have the help that I, that I needed when building the foundation in undergrad. But when I got to graduate school, it was like such a breath of fresh air I will never forget and I always tell people this story which is what I was talking about at first and I just skipped over it but I always <laughs> tell people this story when I had to take my last semester of graduate school I had to take a doctor's level physics course and I was like floored like I was like oh my god how am I going to do this? But I got around like-minded people. I put myself in a group that would assist me with pushing me there. And I ended up getting in that group and I ended up getting a B out of the class. So if you guys don't know, in graduate school, you have to uh, maintain A's or B's. You can only get like one or two C's in graduate school. So my clinical director, who's the same um, lady that I spoke about a little earlier, she's, you know, I went to her. I was very stressed about it. I'm like, look, I don't know what to do. I'm not understanding this I need help I need a tutor she's like Quintina calm down and mind you this is coming from a director a teacher so she's like Quintina calm down have you gotten a C yet I said no I haven't gotten a C not yet this is my last semester she's like Quintina get a C and get out of that class like get a C and get out of that class like you're fine so that helped me she definitely helped me realize okay I'm, you know I am tripping a little bit and then also mm -hmm. you know just do what I can and get out. So that was the difference between my undergrad experience and my graduate school experience. It was just so much more helpful in graduate school that I had a, a great foundation with people who were around me that looked like me and um, who, who held on to the same principles that I did. Absolutely. That, that foundation is so key. Um, for me, I had um, my undergraduate program was um was mainly white um and I actually was in a different field for undergrad mm -hmm. um not in communication sciences and disorders so um but the university itself it was a very large university over 50,000 mm. students but um I would say definitely you know less than five percent minority mm -hmm. Um, and then for graduate school, I had a similar experience um, as my undergrad where I was the only black out of the 30 wow. people in my wow. cohort. It was, it was very difficult to um, work in groups, mm -hmm. um, to feel like I was, um, I mean, I won't say that anyone in my program was like, you know, rejected me or anything like that, but I felt like I had to, like, I couldn't just approach, mm -hmm. you know, and feel comfortable doing that um, when it came to like working in groups and things like that, because I didn't have that, um, that feeling of, you know, there's someone here that looks like me. There's someone here who I know accepts me. And it's all, you know, it's all in our heads sometimes um, that we have this, this mm -hmm. bias, but it's due to, you know, some of the experiences that we've had maybe in the past or, um, you know, I've, I talked a little bit about my experiences um, when I was an SLPA before I got into grad school. So anyway, um, you know, I, I I didn't have that foundation that you speak of when it comes to having people that look mm -hmm. like me. Um, 
I just feel like it was a little bit more challenging to really feel like I fit in with the students in my yeah. cohort. And it's also, um, Ebony, it's also the worldly things. You know, when we when we're born into when we are born from our mothers, um, by way of our mothers and fathers, of course, when we're born into this world, we have no notion of segregation. These are learned behaviors. This is these are learned behaviors that that we you know the world teaches us. You know with the history of segregation and civil rights and things like that. So I think that the happenings, you know, we're not born into knowing these things. It's actually a learned behavior. So it actually starts within the home. So, you know, going to a school where you were the minority was something that ultimately you felt uncomfortable with, but also it was because of the things that you, the pre-notions and the things that you already know. So I just wanted to say, Mm -hmm. you know, that much, if we take an infancy, you know, um, approach to this, we wouldn't, we would not be at a place where we would even feel uncomfortable, you know, like we wouldn't, we right. wouldn't feel uncomfortable if these notions weren't, you know, trained, you know, in our heads. These are all worldly things, which is why it just is just crazy to me because all of this is learned. So, yeah, sorry. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> no, thank you for sharing that because that is that is a very um, good piece of advice is, you know, for yeah, us just to get out of our own it. heads, you know, like. From a different yeah. perspective, yeah, and and I think that could be said for for the minorities and the non-minorities. Of course, you know? of course. Um, so let's talk a little bit about um, after grad school. You know, you start working. Our field obviously is predominantly mm-hmm. white. Um, did you experience any racism or microaggressions as a black SLP during your? career? Um, I actually have not experienced any racial um, injustice or microaggressions in reference to me being a speech pathologist or even in life period though. And I honestly feel like this is not to disregard any, let me just say that because we as an African-American community are experiencing some, some crazy things right now. And this is not, this is not, I just know that I have not experience anything in that regard however this also might be because of the person that I am so I'm a very spiritual person um I wake up my morning routine is to pray every single morning I get on my knees so that when I'm when you're spiritually grounded I mean nothing can really move you to the point where you know I still want to take a stand I just went protesting yesterday so I'm not saying that I'm not taking a stand because I just went with my son who was an African-American male who's 12 years old I just went to protest yesterday so I don't want your audience to to feel like I'm not for this because I'm 1,000 million quadrillion (laughs) percent for this but I can (laughs) definitely say that I have not experienced outwardly any race, you know, racial aggression or injustice or microaggression. Um, But I also would say that that is just me as a person. I don't really take offense, if that makes sense. So I I understand. Yes. I and, And a lot of the microaggressions, for example, those are really how are usually left up to the interpretation of the person 
mm-hmm. who's receiving it, right? So I can give you an example of when I was actually on my way to um, the ASHA conference, I believe. I sat next mm-hmm. to somebody on a plane and we were talking. She was uh, she was Caucasian and she asked me um, where I worked. And I told her that um, I owned a private practice and, you know, um, mm-hmm. basically explained mm-hmm. what I did. And then later in the conversation, she said, so um, who do you work for? Is the, is the practice mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. own? <laughs> and in my mind, I, mm-hmm. that's a microaggression mm-hmm. <laughs> because I just stated that I, I um, had my own practice. So then I, I, I repeated, oh, no, I work for mm-hmm. myself. I own the practice. And she goes, oh, well, good for <laughs> you. And just the overly I'm, I'm surprised expression again was kind mm-hmm, of like okay mm-hmm, so is this mm-hmm. because i'm black you know i i interpreted that as, mm-hmm. is this because i'm black is she this mm-hmm. surprised? i mean that's how i interpreted when you just said it i mean this plain this plain is that yes <laughs> yes but somebody else may have said oh she was just surprised yeah no you know? see that's being ignorant so, to the facts yeah Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> okay so you know um things like that happen and and i think quintina also where you're located you know might have a great deal to do with what you experience because like I said where I am there mm-hmm, are no other mm-hmm, black mm-hmm. that I know of they're 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 very few and far in between um you know at the school that I that I worked at as an SLPA I don't think they ever had mm-hmm. a black SLP or a black SLPA so it's it's I think the region that you're in mm-hmm. being in the south is going to be very different than your experience being on the East Coast, being, you know, in the D.C., mm-hmm. Maryland, Virginia area where there are lots mm-hmm. of us. That is um, so true. That know. is so true. <laughs> but thank you for sharing, you know, your honest feedback on that, because I want people to um, understand, you know, other people's experiences. Yeah. And, so, and when you said because- that, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but when you said um, when you asked me about that, you know, and this is just honest. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest for your audience. And I, I, I thought to myself. I, I was trying to think hard. Like, you know, like trying to think hard. Like, what? When did I? You know, yes. I know I had to have, and I know that I probably did, or I know that I, you know. So, I, and in all actuality, just like I was saying, I'm just that person that will just not take offense because my response is my responsibility. So if 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 I was to be in a situation where that would have took place, you know what I would have thought? And I was thinking this when you said the story, I would have said, wow, that was ignorant, but okay, whatever. And that is my, that is, <laughs> that's me. 1000%. That's me. Like, oh, wow, that was stupid, but okay. Um, you know, so I, yeah. can, I can accept <laughs> that you have that understanding, but then again, though, Ebony, those things are learned. And then I also have an understanding that, that because I'm a spiritual person, I have an understanding that the enemy uses people. He uses people and they don't even know that they're being used. So if 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 that was something to get under your skin, she was being used by the enemy. And honestly, like genuinely, she she just might not have even understood how ignorant she came off. You know, she, she, you know, she was just being used to now get your wheels to start turning and then just to get you maybe upset in which you didn't, I hope you did not receive that. But yeah, I just, it's, this is just a learned behavior. That would have been my response. But when you asked me that question, I definitely thought hard. 
Um, but I do mm-hmm. realize now that I'm talking about it, I was working in a nursing home, um, doing some doing some PR in work, and there were two black SLPs there. And so the the um the not the director, but the person, the rehab director, um, he was so adamant about bringing a white SLP onto our team. And mm. we were just like, why? Mm. And this is uh, this is Holy Spirit because this is coming to me now because I'm like, yeah, I just thought about that. And me and my coworker were like, why did like why were you so anxious to do this? Like he's, like, I think it'll be great for diversity. I think, blah, blah, blah. and I was like, I mean, okay, I mean, but then she ended up coming there and needing all of our help. So you wanted to bring that person in for the diversity of the team. You didn't even look at the well-being of the patients, you know, because now as a full SLP, she's following us around the entire facility trying to um, just get more insight on how we do swallow studies. So oh, it became wow. more of a liability than a um, than an addition to the team. So that is something that I had definitely dealt with. But then again, the person that was the director was not african-american either so they didn't you know this was something that they were doing but even just like now my response is my responsibility i can't take offense to that because that's just who that person was exactly yes and i like i like that that's how you frame it it's Mm -hmm. your response is your responsibility um well we are actually um almost out of time. So I want to ask you one more question and then um, we'll talk about where our guests can find you. So um, what was your reaction to Ash's racial injustice, racial injustice statement? <laughs> no worries. Tongue, I, tongue I mean, I really appreciated it. <laughs> I was glad that they stated that they were against it. I, I was glad that they stated that they support black and African-Americans SOPs. I was glad that they provided an emotional support Um that's you know that said that we stand and we're moving forward with um how to work with it and that how to address it and that was my main concern is that okay you understand you know we're going through you know but what are you going to do to fix it and the fact that they said that they had things in place to to um organize and to fix it is what really um it really touched me so i loved it good good and prior to that um you know, they, they came out with this statement um, that you're describing about two or three days after their initial statement, which mm-hmm. was very vague. Um, and a lot of people mm-hmm. were very upset about the fact that, that they worded it poorly, that there was no explicit um, stance on, um, the racial, mm-hmm. you know, justice and, and, and just standing mm-hmm. up for African-Americans. So I agree. The new one is, it is. is a thousand times better. Very um, detailed. And I really appreciate Asha going into that much detail to really Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. make it explicit, you know? Um, Okay. Well, we're at 27 minutes and um, I don't want to keep you too long, but um, just quickly, do you have any um, organizations that you're a part of or anything that, um, that you um, find support in as a black SLP or just as a, um, as a black woman? So I do not have any current organizations that I'm with. Um, I was a part of the in Bosla when I was in school. Um, right now I am on 
Facebook in a group with sisters of speech language pathology, but I found some things in there that I'm mm-hmm. really against as well. Um, but that's a whole different story. Um, so, I mean, I don't have any specific groups that I'm in at the moment. Okay. But in Basla was something that yes. you were in, mm-hmm. in undergrad. Mm-hmm. And that's the organization um, that I forgot to mention in my last episode um, when I talked about some of the mm-hmm. ones that I'm in. In Basla is the National Black Speech Lang- mm-hmm. Language Speech Language Association um, and mm-hmm. Hearing Association. And it's wonderful. I, I didn't even know that um, this type mm-hmm. of organization existed before I went to the ASHA conference because again, I'm of course you know in a, in a mm-hmm. state where I'm the minority. So someone from in Basla approached me and told me to come to one of their um, events. And I was just like, wow, this is amazing that this is an option for, for mm-hmm. people in undergrad. I wish I had that because, you know, given my experience, mm-hmm. I didn't really have that's that. That's that foundation. So that is, Again, that's that excellent. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing your insight and your experience. Um, where can sure, I and I want to apologize, Ebony. I didn't know we had 30 minutes. I was just going on and on, so I apologize. Um, <laughs> you guys can find oh, me fine. on the no, Pediatric good. Speech Lab page, which is speed, Speech Lab, P-E-D Speech Lab. Um, and then also I have a Facebook group, Autism Parent-ish. The ish is for stuff, so Autism Parent stuff. Very helpful resources in there. And then also we have an app on the Google and Apple App Store platforms, which is the Pediatric Speech Lab. Or you can just go to my personal page, CEO Quintina. So those are all of the platforms that I'm on. If you have any questions or concerns, my followers know that I'm very in tune with you guys. And we talk, we chat, we do live. So reach out to me. I'm there. Excellent. Well, Quintina, again, thank you so much. Um, You shared some excellent um, insight into what's going on right now. Um, And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to continuing to um, follow up with you and connect with you um, on social media. Mm -hmm. We've done Mm -hmm. a couple of lives together and Quintina is very plugged in with um, Mm -hmm. all things speech language pathology. So you definitely want to follow her. (laughs) Um, She always has great content. So with that, we're going to go ahead and end this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Home Health SLP. We are so glad you got to join us in our conversation and we look forward to the next one. So I wanted to end this episode and just talk a little bit about some new developments that have been happening and what's next for the podcast. So if you are a listener, a regular listener of the podcast, you know that it's been quite some time since I published this new episode. Um, The last one was probably a month, maybe six weeks ago. So there's been a lot going on. Um, In the previous podcast, I talked about a boot camp that I was developing for new SLPs and SLPAs in the field. Well, during the time that I was developing this boot camp, another amazing opportunity um, came about. So I am now focusing on teaching SLPs who want to scale their businesses um, how to do so by obtaining 
contracts with the government, contracts with schools, and contracts with nonprofits. So I said all of that to say I've been very busy because I was focused on building this program for beginners in the field. And then out of nowhere, I had another opportunity to work on something else. Um, so I have decided to move forward with the contracting course because that is what is most pressing for a lot of SLPs right now. They're trying to get their school contracts in before school starts. So because of the deadline and everything associated with school contracting and how long the process takes, I have decided to detour for a moment and work on that. So if you are listening to this podcast and you heard my last advertisement about the Beginning Speech Therapist Bootcamp, please know that that is still coming in the future. I'm working on the course whenever I'm not working on my practice or on the other class that I'm doing for school contracting. Um, but I want to help other SLPs in the field. Um, I should just say other SLPs because they're obviously in the field. I want to help other SLPs um, obtain these resources because they're out there and people just don't know how to access them. So I do want to apologize if it's been forever since you've been waiting for the next podcast episode, or if you, again, are a beginner in the field and you were in the Facebook group and on my Instagram page, those have kind of, um, like I said, been put on pause as I work on this new opportunity. If you are listening and you are an, an SLP who has been in practice for a while and you want to learn more about scaling your practice, then you should listen to, um, the upcoming episodes on the podcast, because I'll talk a little bit about the course that I am developing. Um, we also have an on-demand course that's actually currently on Teachable. So anyway, I just wanted to wrap up this episode by saying um, I'm still excited about this podcast. I'm still excited about the Beginning Speech Therapist Bootcamp. There's just been a lot going on recently. So anyway, Everyone, I hope that you have a wonderful week. I don't know when the next podcast episode will come out, so make sure you turn on your subscription notifications. And until next time. So thank you 